So today we're starting a new series called Dangerous Prayers, and I want to tell you the story of how that came to be. Uh, a couple of years ago, in January of 2018, I was heading to my first cardiac doctor's appointment. And I was a little bit concerned because I had been having some symptoms that uh, seemed like they were heart-related. And I was going into the doctor to check it out. It was January 4th of 2018 that I had my first cardiac doctor's appointment. And I was a little bit freaked out because uh, number one, I knew that I was having symptoms. Number two, I have family history on both my mom and dad's side of heart disease. And my dad had had a heart attack and had almost died when he was in his 40s as a result and had had open heart surgery more recently. And then just the previous year, my stepdad had gone in for the same kind of appointment that I was going to and ended up being rushed over to the hospital and they would not let him leave until he had open heart surgery. So needless to say, I was a little bit freaked out. Now, uh, so I went in and uh, my fear was that the same thing was gonna happen to me that I was gonna go in, they were gonna find something and they were gonna hold on to me and keep me and I ha would have to have surgery right away. Now, thankfully that didn't happen. I failed my stress test. Then they scheduled the ca cardiac catheterization and then they came in and gave me the news that there was really nothing they could do in that procedure that I did in fact need to have open heart surgery. So my first cardiac appointment, January 4th of 2018. Quadruple bypass heart surgery, February 4th of 2018. Exactly one month. But it, throughout that time, I really had to fight fear because what I was doing is I didn't know what was going on until I went to the doctor and they started doing these procedures to see what the true nature of my heart was my physical heart. Now, fast forward to this week, after Easter Sunday, and we're talking, as we do, we have a Zoom meeting, a meetup after the last Sunday morning church online service, and we were talking, and somebody brought up that they were reading this book. It's called Dangerous Prayers. Uh, it's by Craig Rochelle, and it's subtitled Because Following Jesus Was Never Meant to Be Safe. Well, it just so happened that I, too, had recently picked up this book and started reading it. And somebody, I think it even might have been my wife, which kind of uh, surprises me, but somebody said, maybe this would make a good message series. And everybody seemed very positive about that. Now, I did not want to do that because I didn't want to do a series based on somebody else's book. And secondly, I had been reading the book and I wasn't quite sure that I wanted to pray some of those prayers because I wanted to give a message that was about something that I could uh, 
present as from a point of victory, from the expert telling people how things were done. But some of these prayers seem a little bit dangerous to pray. And I like being feeling confident and knowing what's going on. And I don't like that feeling of maybe there's something that God wants to convict me about. Maybe there's something that he needs to show me. Ignorance is bliss and denial is not just a river in Egypt. But as we were going through this week, I kept praying, Lord, what is it that I'm supposed to be preaching on? What is our next series supposed to be about? I'm continuing to read the book and, uh, and I just realized over time that really nothing else is coming to mind and that this is something that uh, the Lord seems to be leading and guiding to. And so as a result, here we are. It's the next weekend and we are doing the series called Dangerous Prayers. Now, I will encourage you to go ahead and get the book if you would like to go deeper. All of the profits from the book are going to uh, fund trans Bible translation efforts, so that's a good thing. So uh, you'll be able to follow along as well. Uh, and today, we are starting out with that first prayer, a first dangerous prayer, called search me, search me. And we'll look at it in just a second, but basically the whole idea is that we are going to ask God to search our hearts, to tell us the true nature, the true condition of our heart. And this can be a very dangerous and frightening prayer at the beginning because we know that sometimes we don't want to know exactly what our heart is. We wanna feel good about ourselves, we wanna feel good about our motivations, and if we pray, then God just might show us somewhere where our heart is not right, and where we need to change our heart towards something or someone. And sometimes that can be an uncomfortable and even painful experience. We're fearful about what God might do, what God might show us, what he might ask of us, what he might show us, and that's what makes these prayers dangerous. But on the other side of these prayers, we will know ourselves and we will know the Lord and we will be more in line with his heart than we were before. So I'm gonna invite you to join me on this journey of praying these dangerous prayers and seeing what happens next. Because I believe that in this next phase of our church's life, that God wants to do two things. Uh, we talked about this when our leadership team got together last night. I believe that he wants us to stay connected relationally. I believe that we can continue to grow and develop the connections that we have as a church even in this very challenging and difficult situation. But secondly, and we've seen that happen, but secondly, I also think that he wants us to not only keep and make those connections, but to make progress, to grow in our faith, to make progress spiritually. And I think part of that is the challenge to pray these dangerous prayers. And we're starting out, like I said, with search me. Today, we're gonna to be talking about the condition of our heart. 
and we are going to say, and here's the bottom line, because our hearts are deceitful, our souls need a savior. Because our hearts are deceitful, our souls need a savior. And at the end, I'm going to challenge you to pray this prayer, a simple, two-word, dangerous prayer. Search me. Now, this prayer is based on a scripture in the Bible. It's actually found in the Psalms, in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Here we have the psalmist crying out to God, crying out with this dangerous prayer, search me. So let's read it together. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. It's a simple and short prayer. It's only two verses, but there is so much good stuff packed in there. So we start out with that first phrase, search me and know my heart. Search me and know my heart. Test me, know my anxious thoughts, see if there's any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, why do we need to pray a prayer like this? Because you might feel like, oh, I already know what my heart is. My heart is in the right place. I have a good heart. And there are probably certain aspects of that that are true. But an even truer truth, honestly, is that our hearts probably need some work. According to the scriptures, look at what it says. This is Jeremiah 17, 9. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things. Let's just pause right there for a second because you and I know that our hearts can deceive us. When we wanna do something, we become the best salesman to ourselves as possible. We can tell ourselves that we have all the right motivations and we can look at others and just judge, judge, judge. But when it comes to us, we give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. The reality is that our hearts are deceitful and that we can talk ourselves into, talk ourselves out of, and justify just about anything that we want to because our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? So sometimes if we're just be honest, we understand that our hearts are not in the right place. How do we know that? Let's just ask ourselves, when was the last time you lied? When was the last time you told just a little white lie you tell yourself, it was okay, I was trying to spare feelings, I was trying to be diplomatic, it really didn't hurt anybody, we justify telling lies. And then we go from one step to the next. I think about uh, King David and his falling into first adultery with Bathsheba and then murder in killing her husband to cover up his sin. I imagine each step of the way, he was telling himself little lies that allowed him to take that next step. And whether it's big or little lies, big or little sins, we do the same kind of thing. We tell ourselves falsehoods to do what we want to do. 
So we need that light to shine into our hearts and to be able to see ourselves as we are, as God sees us. And because our hearts are deceitful, we will discover that our souls need a savior. Our souls need a savior. And I think one of the things that is so interesting about this is that often we avoid asking ourselves the tough questions, allowing ourselves to be put under the microscope because we are afraid of what we're going to find out and because we know that if some little thread gets pulled or some little revelation, little insight into our heart happens, then kind of the whole complex kind of falls down. And it's a very uncomfortable and very painful experience to realize that we're not as good as we thought we were, to have to come face to face with our sins, to come face to face with our shortcomings and our failings and the way that we don't even live up to our own expectations, let alone living up to God's requirements. And so we resist that. But the paradox is that when we pray this prayer, when we allow the Lord to search our hearts, when he uncovers the deep, dark recesses of our heart, when he shines a light into the recessed corners of our hearts and shows us what we're really like, it actually gives us the opportunity to be cleansed and to move on in freedom, to have our sins washed away, to have our guilt forgiven, and to move on. This is what it's talking about in 1 John. Now, 1 John is a letter written by the Apostle John, one of the disciples who lived with Jesus when he was walking on the earth. And he talks about this when he says in John 1 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. There's that idea of deception again. We just naturally deceive ourselves and we justify and say, oh, it wasn't that bad or it wasn't really a sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But, and this is the contrast, this is the good news, but uh, if we confess our sins, sorry about that, there was a little side in there that I wasn't expecting. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So if we hide, if we deceive ourselves, and really we're only deceiving ourselves, is God fooled? No, he knows. Are the people around us fooled? Less often than we think. But if we confess our sins, and what does confession mean? It just means agreeing with God, agreeing with God about the, our wrongdoing. Then he is faithful and just, and he'll do two things. He forgives us, and he purifies us. Sometimes, some translations say, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So this is really the good news. The bad news is that we deceive ourselves and we're not as good as we think we are, and we avoid the truth and we avoid the light because we don't want our, self, our, our carefully constructed perception of ourselves to be deconstructed. But if we are honest, if we just open ourselves up to the Lord and say, search me, test me, show me what's really in my heart. If we confess that, then he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins 
and purify us from all unrighteousness. So the, the reason that this prayer is dangerous is that it goes right to the core of our view of ourselves. The reason that this prayer is good is because it leads to a change in our hearts from the inside out. Because when we confess, he is faithful and just, will cleanse us and purify us from all unrighteousness. So what should we do with that? Well, I am going to challenge you, challenge myself to pray this prayer. And it's really the way that we start our relationship with Jesus. When we say yes to him, what we're saying is yes to his forgiveness, which implies that we have something to be forgiven of. It admits that we need to repent. We, need, we were going in one direction and we need to change and go in the other direction. And by acknowledging that, confessing that, agreeing with God, that owning up to our sins becomes the path to being freed from our sins. And this is what it describes in the Apostle Paul's letter to the church at Rome. He wrote in Romans 10, 9, if you publicly declare, some translations say confess. There's that idea of confession again. You publicly declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will experience salvation. Why do we wanna pray this prayer? Even though it's dangerous, even though it's scary, even though it might fill us with fear, it's because when we see ourselves as we are, we confess that, we agree with God, then we publicly declare the two aspects of, of our relationship with the Lord, that Jesus is Lord. We're saying yes to his forgiveness, but we're also saying yes to his lordship. Now we don't use that word a lot, but it's the idea that God gets to call the shots that he is going to be the boss, that he's going to lead and guide and direct, and that we need to surrender. That's our role, to surrender. Say yes, yes to his leadership and lordship. And the believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead points to the sacrifice of Jesus. We're saying yes to his forgiveness, that all of those things that he shows us that are wrong with us, the penalty, the punishment for that was put on Jesus Christ on the cross so that we would not have to bear those sins anymore, so that we would not have to pay the penalty for those sins, so that we might be cleansed, freed from those sins. So saying yes to Jesus includes both those aspects, not only the forgiveness that is ours because of what Jesus did on the cross, but also the lordship, the, 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 the lordship and, and his being able to call the shots, our surrender to him are included in that. And when we do, we experience salvation. We get free of those besetting sins, those things that we're embarrassed about, those things that we keep telling ourselves we're going to put aside and that we're not gonna do anymore, and yet we keep doing it and it keeps re-entering, it keeps popping up. When we confess, when we open our hearts to the Lord's searching, when we surrender our hearts to his leading, we will experience salvation. Now,
the cool thing about this is that this was actually foretold, prophesied hundreds of years ago, even hundreds, thousands of years ago, but hundreds of years before Jesus showed up on the earth. And I wanna read uh, to you about it from Ezekiel chapter 11, verses 16 to 20. And this is such good news. And it's such a cool thing to see that this is the promise of this dangerous prayer. Here's what it says. Therefore say, so this is the Lord speaking to Ezekiel, telling him what to tell the people who are the people of God. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Although I sent them far away among the nations and scattered them among the countries. This is after the exile, after the people of Israel have been taken into captivity. Yet for a little while, while I have been a sanctuary for them in the countries where they have gone. In other words, I've scattered them, but I haven't left them alone. I'm still with them. I am still their sanctuary. Therefore say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will gather you from the nations and bring you back from the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you back the land of Israel again. He's giving them what would be good news to them. They've been in exile, but they're going to get to return. But it gets even better. They will return it. They will return to it, return to the country, and remove all its vile images and detestable idols. They're gonna set aside all the false worship. They're gonna be wholehearted. And I will, verse 19, give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. Here's the promise of this prayer of this dangerous prayer. If you face your fears, if you're willing to open yourself up to the searchlight of God into your heart, you may discover that there are areas of hardness, that there are areas that you don't really want to come to face with. But the good news is in the process, you will experience salvation and God will take that hard heartedness away from you and remove that heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. That's the promise. Because when we look back over our, what we've learned, I've learned that I'm afraid, that sometimes I'm fearful of being honest with the Lord, that I sometimes say no to him, because really that's what we're saying when we don't pray this prayer. And our whole church is premised on the idea that we wanna encourage people to say yes to Jesus. And so here I am as the pastor, reluctant and wondering, oh Lord, please let this prayer pass from me if there's any other thing that I can preach on because of that fear. But it shows that I still do need a savior that there are parts of my heart that still need to be surrendered. And really, this is the process. You start by saying yes to Jesus, but even after you're following Jesus, it's saying yes to Jesus over and over again. More and more people saying yes to Jesus more and more often. 
And so it shows me that I still need a savior as well, that the, I still need to experience salvation in other aspects of my life. And so this is what I do, is when I encounter an issue where I realize that the Lord is showing me some part of my heart that's not right, some part of my heart that still isn't redeemed, I don't make a promise to try better and to do better the next time. I bring it to the Lord and say, Lord, here, you've shown me some aspect of my life that still needs redeeming, that I need, to, I need forgiveness and cleansing. I need you to remove from me my heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. I want to experience salvation in this area of my life because it's not up to us. Salvation didn't begin with us. It's not going to end with us. From start to finish, it is a work of God. And so rather than trying harder, how about if we surrender and allow him to do that work of changing us from the inside out as only he can do? It's because our hearts are deceitful that our souls need a savior. So I'm going to encourage you to say yes to Jesus. Perhaps you're realizing for the first time that you've never really said yes to Jesus. You might know some of the stories, you might have been in church all your life, you might have uh, memorized scripture, you might have prayed some prayers, but you realize that you've never truly surrendered to the Lord and asked him to search your heart and change your heart. Well, the good news is today you can experience salvation. So if you're watching on the church online platform, you can say yes to Jesus. You click that button that is the equivalent of raising your hand and saying, yes, I want Jesus' death on the cross to count for me. I need my sins forgiven. I need him to lead and guide me. I've had enough of trying to gloss over my sins. I've had enough of trying to do this on my own and be in charge of my own life. I need to surrender. I need Jesus to take the wheel. So say yes to him. And if you're watching some other time, perhaps you're watching this weeks, months, even years after I'm recording it today, it's not too late for you. You can say yes to Jesus. And as long as we have a church telephone number, you can text yes to 603-225-2550. That'll be your way of affirming, yes, that's me. I am raising my hand. I am following Jesus. I wanna say yes to Jesus. And I hope that that is your story today. Now, for all of us, here is my challenge. Here's the response that I hope that each of you will take seriously. And that is to simply pray, search me. To simply pray that two-word prayer and be open and honest before the Lord to say, search me. Now, I'm gonna pray in just a minute for you, for me, that we'll have the courage to do this and that we'll have the integrity and honesty to listen to what we hear and then to respond appropriately and respond accordingly. Now we're gonna do something a little bit different in that we're gonna, we're gonna get you started in kind of processing through this and 
talking about this as we close for today. So what I've done is giving you some questions that you can talk about with whoever you're with, whoever you're watching with, whoever is in your, your isolation pod or in your household and in your family. And if you're watching online, which is the only way you can be watching, you can do a screen print of this maybe and save it. And then you can come back and zoom in and look at it and, and ask these questions. It's just three questions. And if you like, you can also text notes to our church number and we'll send this to you by email on a weekly basis. But just a way of debriefing what we have talked about today. But right now, let me pray for you and pray for me as we open our hearts up to the Lord. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you lead us and guide us. I thank you for every person that is watching right now. I pray for each of us, beginning with myself, that you would give us the courage and integrity to boldly pray this prayer. Search me and know my heart. Reveal the things that we need to confess. Reveal the things that you want to change, that you want to free us from, the way that you want to renew us from the inside out, the way that you want to replace our hard-hearted, stony hearts with hearts of flesh, hearts that are open to you, hearts that are responsive to you. I pray for every single person who is saying yes to you for the first time. Thank you for that. We thank you because we know that your word says you taught us that there's a party in heaven over every single person who says yes to you. And Lord, I pray for the rest of us that you would help us to respond with faith, and that you will be able to do that work that only you can do of changing us from the inside out, repairing and renewing our hearts so that we follow you wholeheartedly, so that you, we love you completely and we serve you unreservedly. May that be true for every one of us. We thank you, we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Again, thank you so much for being here and please go ahead and see if you can get a screen print of this so that you can talk this through. If you're watching with us live right after the last service on Saturday night and the last service on Sunday morning, we're gonna have a Zoom meetup where you'll be able to kind of debrief and talk through and even ask your questions. I'll be live in person online with you at that time and then I hope that you will turn tune in next week because we're going to continue praying dangerous prayers because we believe that God wants to grow us in community and help us to make progress during this lockdown. Next week, the dangerous prayer that we're going to pray is reveal our fears. I hope you'll be with us.